We're going inside them. We're going outside them. Inside them, outside them. And if we get them on the run once, we're going to keep them on the run. And we're not going to pass unless our secondary comes up too close. Don't forget that. We're going to get them on the run. We're going to go, go, go. 
it's going to be fine. And it's a tough stretch, you know, I mean, oh, grueling stretch, <laughs> grueling. So um, I know you guys probably don't want to hear that either, but again, uh, it's early in the Freeman era and uh, we're going to be all right. We just got to yep. keep going. So, yep. And Nick, and Nick, just to bounce off that, you know, it's, you know, I, I like for anyone to point to another college football team that's had the first seven games like, like Notre Dame. And I know you can point out the Tennessee States or, you know, the the Navies to begin the year, but Notre Dame did play week zero. This is the seventh straight game going to the eighth game against another ranked opponent. Uh, this would be the fourth straight, four straight ranked opponent that Notre Dame is, is competing against. And that takes a lot out of uh, your team. Um, it's, it, it tests them mentally, physically to get up for each of these matchups. And like you said, Nick, this, this is their Super Bowl. You know, Duke has this circle. Louisville has this circle. And, you know, they're going to bring their A game for Notre Dame because they have Notre Dame um, across their chest. Um, they're playing against the Irish. And we all know, and you can see from, you know, what the TV market is doing by putting them at prime time the last four games, um, yeah. you know, that Notre Dame is obviously um, a big focal point in the college football world. And, you know, it, it's – is tested, you know, Notre Dame to its fullest intent. And unfortunately for, for this game, a lot of things got exposed in this game that, um, that we're going to dive into. Yeah. Well said, well said, man. And, um, uh, I think the first thing that, that, uh, Irish fans are, are talking about here is, is Jared Parker and the offensive game plan. Um, so I, I want to kind of dive into that a little bit. Uh, the offense, honestly, in my opinion, Throughout the first four to five weeks of the season, I, I was pleased with how the offense was playing. And I think that's also why fans are so frustrated right now is because they're like, what happened? And, and we're going to dive into all the different aspects. But my biggest uh, concern and reason why I have a feeling that the offense is starting to not play like they were is defenses are figuring out how to stop us and we don't have an answer for it. And it's not all necessarily Jared Parker's fault. Now, again, he does have to shoulder a lot of the blame and he was not good uh, yep. in this game. Yep. There's no doubt about it. it. It was, it was a poor game plan, poorly yep. executed all across the board. Um, so with that, you know, I, I want to talk about the wide receiver room and you can't find many college football programs across the country that are down that have to play with three to five scholarship wide receivers and, and depend on them like the Irish are. I, <laughs> what are fact. your thoughts on what are your thoughts on the wide receiver room in that situation, Joe? Yep. So I know we talked about this in spaces and uh, spaces right after the game to its fullest content, right? Um, you know, it's a hot topic right now. And one thing I do want to relay to Notre Dame fans um, that are frustrated with the wide receiver room is understanding there's a difference between talent and, you know, high recruits and then also experience that translates to the field. Um, I think what we have right now in Jaden Greathouse, who, again, played limited snaps, um, Enrico Flores, and we don't see Braylon James, you know, we're, we're seeing flashes of what this wide receiver room can do in the future. However, that doesn't fix the problem that that we're having now in this year. Um, there's a lot of things that, you know, those 
young receivers that we're relying on have to learn and learn quickly. Um, but when, again, you're relying on probably your best receiving target, and again, this kind of happened last year, is Mitchell Evans. You haven't seen the full development of Tobias Merriweather, who's in his second year in a Notre Dame uniform. Um, Jaden Greathouse, obviously, when um, you know he was recruited, you know, or the expectations that he wasn't going to be a bona fide wide receiver one option. Um, you know, we had not right out of the gate, at least. Yeah, exactly. Not right out yeah. of the gate. And um, Dion Colsey's hurt, Matt Salerno, but the depth obviously has shown to be an extreme weakness for Sam Hartman to get the ball to these guys. And uh, it's a, it's a tough task for, for Stucky to figure it out. But overall, you know, we have to look at it from kind of a bird's eye view. Like, you know, the cards that we have in the wide receiver room are not a stack deck. Um, It's, it's something that, you know, we have to figure out quickly and figure out ways to scheme the ball um, to them in a better way. I think that's fair um, criticism to give to Jared Parker. No doubt. But again, these are young. Rico Flores is 18 years old. He's only had, yeah. you know, limited reps in the weight room, limited reps uh, with Stucky, you know, getting off the line, learning routes. And when you're relying on, you know, that kind of experience, it's, it's not going to just translate his high school stats into college stats. It takes time and development. And again, Nick, I know you probably want to harp on this, so I'm going to pass it over to you. But I do think we're still feeling the the effects of having an incompetent wide receiver coach three years ago um, with, with yeah. Dell Alexander. And, you know, it was a poor evaluation. It was poor recruitment um, where, again, the room is left bare. Uh, for Stucky to work with, and he's doing his best. I, I love the wide receiver talent that we're seeing, but to expect the same production um, as if we had a Michael Floyd or a Golden Tate or a Kevin Stefferson, et cetera, where we've had those dynamic wide receivers, it's not going to happen overnight in this room. And again, this goes back to you know not building a room where we have juniors and seniors that are ready to compete at this high level in college football. Yeah, I think that's really well said. And <clears throat> I, I want to echo your thoughts a little bit. Dell Alexander did this program zero favors. Um, and and it, it's not that I, I don't like the talent that we have at, in the wide receiver room. I don't want people to get uh, the wrong idea here because we do have some talent. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. My issue is the depth and the number of players that we have in the room and their age, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. And this can affect an entire offense. I, I People, you know, are going to point fingers at, at different spots, but when your wide receivers can't get open and the defense can pin their ears back on loading the box and, and they have no threat uh, of guys going over the top or, or, or any threat of playmakers on the outside, they're going to they're gonna load up the box to stop the run, and that's also going to create – problems for your offensive line. And it's also going to create problems uh, getting after the quarterback. So it's a domino effect. And yes. again, I think our wide receivers have talent, but like you brought up, we're depending on guys that are uh, brand new to college football and, and to the program. They don't have all the route running techniques down yet. Like you mentioned, they don't have the, I mean, I'm sure they know the playbook, but 
the nuances of the playbook and the chemistry with Sam Hartman. And then on top of that, um, you know, I don't think they're all fully healthy. Jaden Greathouse, I know he played in this game, but he's not fully healthy. Jaden Thomas played in this game. He's not fully healthy. Yeah. Tobias Merriweather is just Tobias Merriweather. Uh, you know, I don't know. Um, but th- there's only so much you can do with that limited of a room. And I think it's really affecting everything else that the offense is doing. 100%, Nick. 100%. And, you know, it has been a little bit of disappointment of, you know, basically the development of Tobias Merriweather. He, he's still learning um, on the fly, it seems like, to create separation, to, you know, beat a guy right off the line of scrimmage and, and get open quickly. Um, you know, one of our most reliable wide receivers is a running back. Um, that was a running back for his, like his last four years with us um, that yeah. has gone on over to the wide receiver room and Chris Tyree. And I think Chris Tyree's, you know, had a great year so far. It, this is not about Chris Tyree's talent. It's just he's trying to learn a position on the fly and also depended on or the office is depending on him to be productive right away. And the same with Rico Flores and, you know, with the hurt, you know, the hamstrings with, with Jaden Thomas and, and Great House all this combination of stuff of inexperience and uh, I would say development is leading to, you know, obviously offensive woes for, for Notre Dame's offense. And, you know, ultimately I feel bad for Sam Hartman because he's put in a difficult spot. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. I, I feel bad for Hartman as well. Although I do want to say he did not play great in this game. I, I, he made a lot of mistakes as well. And that that has to be brought up also. Now, again, it's not all his fault. He's still a phenomenal player, but he made some errors in this game that that helped contribute to the loss. But um, now on the flip side, Jared Parker's not doing his extremely limited wide receiver room or his awesome uh, star quarterback any favors. Agreed. So one thing that that there's a couple big gripes that I have from this game. The first one is Sam Hartman threw 38 passes in this game and only six of them, six of them were play action. <laughs> so you're telling me you just want Sam Hartman to go back there and pick these defenses apart with a limited wide receiver room. It's not realistic. Help him out, get a threat of the running game going. E- even if the running game's not working, free up those safeties for just a second. What, with a fake handoff, something, but I got, I got to see more, more play action. I'd like to see him roll Sam out of the pocket a little bit more. Yes. You know, even if it cuts down half the field, that's okay. Get him moving, get him out of there. Cause he, he, the pressure is so constant that there's no way that any quarterback could be comfortable. Yes. Uh, back yes. There. And, and Nick, I think you hit on a great point is, you know, when you scheme up those kind of, um, I don't want to say trickery, but, you know, basically deceptions with the defense that make them think, and, hey, are they handing it off to the left, or is he pulling it out right? It also, not to help your, it doesn't just help your wide receiver room, it also helps your offensive line. You know, if they're struggling, yes. you know, where it's, it's, it's obviously clear, you know, seven games in, or especially the last two games, that we have vulnerability in the interior line, in the interior line from center and both guards. So a lot of defenses are putting a lot of pressure. So if you're just asking Sam to just step back with a three-step drop and deliver these balls, you know, 
know that, you know, right now your offensive line is struggling. They're not going to give him the proper amount of time. However, if you have a rollout play, it buys them more time and also buys your quarterback more time to find the open receiver. And it, it, it helps your wide receivers yes. out. You know, they can go off script when they see you rolling out of the pocket if they have to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's a really good point. And, you know, I take it back. I, I coached high school football. I know it's nothing close to compared to coaching in college. But all of your core plays, at least when I was coaching, your core plays have to have two other plays off of it. They got to have a counter off of it, and they got to have a play action. And so far, I'm not seeing a ton of that from Jared Parker, and it's concern. Yes, and, um, and one, yeah, no, and sorry, one thing, ahead. Nick, and I, you might have been leading on to this is, you know, my biggest disappointment in the game was, you know, when we did create momentum, you know, we shot ourselves in the foot again. It, it felt like Ohio State, where yeah. you know our third and short playbook is not good right now. It's not good. Um, yeah. Our third down efficiency for the game versus Louisville was three for thirteen. And there was five instances where it was third, third and three or shorter. And we didn't convert on any of them where we actually, if you combine those five plays, we actually averaged negative yardage, negative yardage with also a turnover. So when you have, you know, two all American tackles, arguably, obviously Joe, Joe, all really not arguably, but you know, we have high expectations for Blake Fisher. Um, you have a 220 pound back in Audric Estime and the the play calling in those situations look like we're entirely lost. We we don't know. And I guess this goes back to what I think the biggest problem with this offense is. And I think Jared Parker hasn't made it clear. What kind of offense is this? We're seven games in. What is this identity that we are going to have on the Notre Dame offensive side of the ball? Because right now I have no idea who it is. I have no idea. I have no idea what our identity to get the chains to move from first down to first down to first down. And we have no bread and butter to go back to. And it's very concerning. It's very concerning. And again, this falls on Jared Parker. I'm not giving Jared Parker, you know, we, we talked about, you know, the woes of the wide receiver room. Ultimately it's his responsibility to find ways to move those chains. And we definitely do have the players and the talent I shouldn't say talent, but we definitely have the playmakers, the players to find ways to get third and three into a first down, a third and two in a first down, third and one into a first down where we keep the chains moving and also keep your defense off the field. Yes. Yes. And we'll, <laughs> we'll get into the yes. defense some more. Um, but I, that's a really good point because you talk about your back hurting because you're, you're carrying so much weight. If I'm out golden in the defense, I'm, Oh, I'm pissed, pissed off at the offense. Yeah. Um, now, a, a couple more things about the wide receiver room and the offense also. I mean, we're, we're going to talk a lot on the offense, but um, you, they had success with the two running backs in the backfield against Ohio State. It was, mm-hmm. it was great. It, it was a great formation, uh, great play calls off of it. Um, and, and it kept the defense guessing. We haven't seen that since then. And I know defense a lot of times dictates what you're doing on offense. Um, but wh- where's that sort of thing? We, we have an advantage with our running backs. Um, we have an advantage with our tight ends. I'd love to see some more two-back sets, get that going again. And, and again, take some pressure off of our wide receivers. Also, 
watching this game, one of the most frustrating things, and I don't know if this is on Chancey Stuckey or if it's on uh, Parker or, or who it is, but Jordan Faison, at, at a time when this offense had no bright spots in it, he comes out, catches the ball for a first down. Same drive later, he catches a 20-plus yard touchdown pass. Looks speed, phenomenal. Speed, speed, speed. And then all of a speed, speed, speed. And then we don't see him again. Yep. Why are we not riding the hot hand here? Your wide receiver room is brutally struggling. Get that guy, get the ball in his hands yes. if he's hot. I, that that was really frustrating to me. We didn't see him again after that. He's the only guy making any type of yes. big play. It, to me, that's an excuse. Yes, and Nick, you're you're hitting this right on. And I think this goes for other other um, you know units on on our offense. Uh, you know. Obviously, you're talking about wide receiver, but I think this includes offensive line. I think it includes running back. You know, no doubt. I think it's it's yeah. kind of funny looking back at this, Nick, is like, you know, when we used to complain about Brian Kelly, it was, hey, we need to get or, – or Tommy Reese's offense. Hey, we need to get, you know, Tobias Merriweather on the field. You know, we wanted to rotate more guys. But now we went almost to the, to the other extreme where we're rotating too many guys. Yeah where no one can get in a rhythm. Yeah. And I think that will help our offense moving forward because in my my opinion, and I know I'm not a football coach or expert, but watching this team for seven games, I think it's obvious to me, to me that, you know, we have to, we have to limit the reps of guys that aren't performing at the level that we need or give the ball or have those reps go to the guys that have been performing and are being productive. I think in the running back room, as much as I love the, the ceiling, for Jadarian Price and Jabron Payne, you know, I think it's time to limit it to Jeremiah Love and Audrey Esme. Those are the only two running backs you need and get them the ball and get them in rhythm. For wide receiver room, when you see uh, Jordan Faison, you know, playing at a high level like that, get him on the field. But Rico Flores, you know, Jaden Thomas, you know, yeah. Jaden Greathouse, I know he came in on a few snaps, but it seems like we're rotating so many dudes, even in the tight end room with, I know Mitchell Evans had another outstanding game um, you know, production wise for Notre Dame seemed like the only, you know, I would say guy that could move the sticks and guy that Sam Hartman can lean on to, to get open. Um, but it's time to kind of, you know, shorten the bench. All right. Uh, shorten the guys that you're playing with and let's see if we can get some momentum and get these guys hot. I think that's a really good point, man. Uh, like anything in any sport, especially a sport like football that depends so much on momentum. You get a guy that has a hot hand, you you run with that for as long as you can. So the Jordan Faison thing really, uh, yeah, it's like really bothered me. It's like that. Uh, what, that's like the you oh, know the ahead. shining spot of of the offense so far. And then it's like, what did he get hurt? Like, well, let's let's see if we can go back to him because obviously there's some sort of mismatch with you know either Louisville not prepared for him or getting him on a corner that maybe can't keep up with his speed and. Again, that kind of goes back to the wide receiver room. If I'm saying this stuff about a, a preferred walk-on who's major, who I know he's on football scholarship now, but was mainly on a lacrosse scholarship, shows what yeah. kind of depth we're working with in the wide receiver room. And again, so yeah. go ahead. I know you're, you're moving on to the next point. Uh, yeah, one other thing I, w I wanted to bring up here, and I know Freeman was asked about it in this press conference, but you have a, a quarterback who – what this is a sixth year 
uh, playing college football. He's done it at a high level. And I don't know how much of this he's done at, at Wake Forest, but you have a guy that's that's that mature and that um, experienced. Why, why are we not making checks when the defense is showing uh, a full box and pressure? Why are we not making checks yes. at the line? That's something that frustrates me as well. To me, there should always be one to two checks. If you come up to the line and they're showing heavy pressure, there should be a quick check down to, to an outside receiver or to a tight end or, or, or something. Or he should be up there checking the offensive line protection. You know, I, whatever it is, but I didn't see any of that no, in this game. No, either. and we kind of got, uh, you know, Sam Hartman flirted with that. I think immediately back to the spring game of how beautiful it looked in the spring game. Now I know it's the spring game, and you know he checks on on a play that looks like Notre Dame's blitzing, and hits Jaden Thomas over over the defense on on a post route. And again, that was us. It looked like, and I think it was confirmed that this was just something Sam Hartman saw the defense checked out of the original play call and, and went to the post route. Um, but again, this kind of leads to, yeah. it looks like this offense is unsure on what we are. It's unsure. Yeah. Sam Hartman's second guessing. I think, you know, the offensive line is second guessing the, you know, go down the line and they, they don't feel right. comfortable in the offense that we've developed so far through seven games. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, man. It's frustrating. It's frustrating. It shouldn't be this um, way when when you're seven games in. And no. I know we're probably going to the offensive line because I have some gripes there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's let's go ahead and, and talk about the offensive line. Uh, as an Irish fan and, and someone who's watched, I'm 32 years old, and I, I don't think I've ever missed a game, uh, that – may have been the worst offensive line performance I've ever seen from a Notre Dame football team. And uh, whether it's all entirely their fault or not, it, it was still very disappointing to see because we are supposed to be considered O-line U. We are supposed to – we have <laughs> boatloads of talent up front and uh, just a very disappointing performance. Go ahead, Joe. Let's hear, uh, so hear your thoughts on the here, Here's my biggest gripe with the offensive line. I know when people listen to our, our previous podcast, you know, dissecting the Duke game, you know, I, I thought it was valid for, you know, Rudolph to look at the offensive line and see if maybe there could be a guy that could be pushing for playing time. And whether that's a Christophic, um, you know, that, that goes into, you know, a guard role again, whether he plays over Coogan or, or, um, or Correll or not really Correll, sorry, he's the center, but Rocco, um, I would have been okay with it. But the shuffling that happened where multiple interior offensive linemen from Coogan to uh, Correll, Correll mainly played center, um, Billy Shrouth, all those guys, we're shuffling that both played left guard, right guard. We had Christophic play center. It looked like a team that was a unit that was so unsure on the productivity, and they were just throwing out, shuffling the offensive line interior to see what sticks. And I'm all about getting guys an opportunity to see if they can perform. But when you're putting guys at left guard and then the next series right guard, for me – the offensive line needs to be probably the best unit in unison, right? They got to be, you know, locked in arm with each other on what they're doing. And you're asking guys to change techniques from drive to drive. 
seems like an absolute panic move from, from Notre Dame, in my opinion, because then you're putting guys uh, basically in a point where they can't find success and they're just trying to figure out on the run. And I'm just thinking during the game, what, what did you do during practice that led you to think that you could do this shuffling around and see what works? That's what practice is for. Figure it out. And I'm okay if Kristoffic takes some from Coogan. At least he's getting left guard reps. Or if you think he can be center, if he's getting center reps. But when you're shuffling around and changing the technique mid-game on guys, it, it just seemed like a desperate move. And I, I had a big problem with it, um, you know, watching the game. I think it's a great point, man. Um, and uh, to follow up on that, I, I agree with you. I, I, I'm one – if you're not getting the job done, especially at a place like Notre Dame, you should have a threat of somebody on your heels. So I'm totally okay with them exploring options. But I'm like you. I, I did not like how they did it. So to me, if you're going to start trying to get guys in game situations, this should have been done uh, when we were playing Tennessee State and we were up big or or Central Michigan or wh- whatever, right? One of those times, sure, you can do that. But you're on the road. It <laughs> The offense is struggling. Night game. And you decide then you want to switch it up a little bit. That's, the, that's yeah. the first big mistake to me. Timing. Come on. The, the, the timing is way off. Second thing for me, if you're going to do that in that situation, don't do it all at once. Yes. <laughs> don't. <laughs> Don't throw Strouth in there at left guard and then Kristoffic at center at the same time and and expect it to work out. Maybe sprinkle in yes. Strouth for a drive or or Kristoffic only at center for a drive. But you don't throw it all out there at once. That's yes. just asking for trouble. And especially with the way that we were being handled by their D-line. It, I agree. That, that was a bit of a concern for me. Um and uh, I don't think we'll see that. Yeah, and again, that's forward. about shortening the bench. Who is your best five offensive line? And let's see if we can get it right. You know, you, you've had seven games to figure right. this out, and it was just extremely frustrating to see those guys put in that situation of just an absolute shuffle. And, you know, I, I've talked to some football coaches, you know, after this, and, you know, your technique is completely different at right guard than is left guard. It's different footwork. It's different, you know, hand placement, no et cetera. Um, and having those guys do that on the fly and expect them to perform at a high level is is asking a ton out of, out of your young guys. And especially a lot of those guys like Billy Shroff haven't even played at the college football level yet. You know, they've, they've had practice reps, but they don't right. even have game reps. So you bring up a great point. This should have been, you know, if this is something that you were considering or something that you saw as a potential problem, it should have been you should have been one step ahead of this as a coach. You should have been one step ahead where, you know, you see what you get out of you know, a Billy Shrouth or a Christophic at whatever position you see fit. And it should have been done at Central Michigan or Tennessee State or Navy, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a primetime game where your team's tired and, and not even dominating the game yet, it's not the time to be messing around with that. And then also, uh, I think you brought up a, a good point about Alton Fisher. 100%. That affects them too. You know, double blocks, moving up to the next level – pass pro like you're now messing with the tackles when you bring who's picking up who you know the communication is is so vital and right now it seems that you know what defenses are going to do is going to attack the interior 
And if they don't feel confident in what their technique, yeah. they're going to be double guessing. Their number one concern is about, you know, I'm going to make sure my, my right foot's back or my left foot back or making sure I'm hitting my left arm here on this shoulder pad rather than actually the assignment that they're supposed mm-hmm. to be responsible for. Yeah, and then on top of that, I mean, I, I don't know exactly how Notre Dame does it, but I, I assume that Corral's making a lot of the calls. He's calling out the Mike Backer. He's he's calling out the the protection. Mm-hmm. At least I'm guessing. Again, I don't know that for sure. But so again, you you throw Kristofic in there. Uh, is he fully ready for that? I, the the whole thing is is very messy to me and, and not yes. something that should be happening. Disappointing, at the level disappointing. Of and, and Marcus Freeman so, again. We yeah. talked about Jared Parker and you know whether it's the scheme, the game plan, uh, executing blocks properly. You know what's the assignment for you know Jabron Payne? I, I still just upset about that first drive because Jabron just you know missed the assignment. There's other ones where you know even the tight end room they they missed the their blocking assignment. It leads to a guy that's absolutely unblocked and. Those were the biggest things for Louisville to be successful was they were just sending guys in and they were just getting untouched, untouched. And yeah. it's impossible for an offense to yeah. be effective if if constantly there's a guy that's, you know, coming through the line or coming off off the edge untouched. It's you're putting your, your quarterback and your running backs yeah. in, in a tough spot, um, you know, whether they're running it or Sam Hartman's trying to throw it. Yeah, no, well said, man. And um it's frustrating. Uh, as far as individual performances on on the offensive line, I mean, nobody really played great. But um, I did think I, I know Shrouth got got his butt kicked there uh, in pass pro a few times, but I didn't think he played terrible. Um, Blake Fisher has really mm-hmm. regressed, in my opinion, and uh, it's a little bit concerning. I don't know if he's banged There's up. There's rumors of that, or what it is. Um, yeah. Uh, Joe Alt, I know he had a rough night, but I, I'm not as concerned no. uh, about all. No. Did you have any no. thoughts about I mean, individual performances? Overall, I, I think it's it's very fair to say that the offensive line has regressed. Um, they're, they're not playing to, um, yeah. you know, what we could say about the wide receiver room being inexperienced, but it's hard for me to say that for this offensive line group. You know, Zeke Correll has a full experience, a year no of experience doubt. underneath his belt in game time situations. You have two tackles that, you know, obviously have – are, are high caliber tackles that, you know, before the season we're saying the two best tackles in college football, um, you know, and obviously we know what, you know, Pat Hugan won the job. He won the job in the offseason. So, we'll, you know, it's it's just kind of disappointing all around to kind of see the offensive line be this into week seven. Um, and it's something that, again, Jared Parker, Rudolph, and Marcus Freeman need to figure out answers for quickly. Yeah, great point, man. And I, I think you hit it spot on. They have regressed and that yep. cannot happen. <laughs> that cannot happen. The, the O line is, is always our main strength. So the fact that we're going in the wrong direction is, is a major concern. Um, all right. Uh, so we hit on the wide receivers. We hit on the O line. Um, no. Anything else on the I, offensive it's side? It's so of depressing right really now. I just want to, let's just, let's just move on. But you know, one <laughs> I thing I'll say is, um, and I know actually we're going to have some questions about that with Jared Parker and his future. So I'll, I'll hold off to the, to the question parts at, at the okay. end of the podcast. Okay. Uh, quickly defense. I thought um, for most of the game played, played pretty well. Um, you know, a lot of people are talking about yep. the missed tackles yep, that's and it fair. is a problem. 
Um, yeah, but Maris Leofow, man, he is yes. so up and down. I, I was re-watching this game, and I didn't know what he was doing half the time. I, just not playing like his, his normal self, and yep. that was frustrating to watch. Um, oh, biggest DJ Brown, <laughs> man. Yeah, I, the missed tackles and it's, are just. And my thing is, is it, we've seen this from DJ Brown. We've seen this from Harris. They they are who they are. Um, you know, it, it's hard for me to critique. Yeah. You know, the defensive side because that wasn't the issue why we lost this game. And I know, you know, people are saying, well, they put up thirty points. Correct. Watch the tape. You know, the offensive put them in in horrific situations right. and. Um, you know, you give them three points when you go for it on fourth 11 with nine minutes to go. Um, you know, you're, you're giving, um, I, I think we that? can, and we can kind of talk about it when, with Freeman's, you know, press conference comments. Um, but you know, overall on the defensive side, okay. I don't think we need to hit on it hard. I, I've been very impressed, um, with the defensive side of ball, you know, through, through this part of the season, because the defense did enough for this, for Notre Dame to win this game. And the offensive no let them down. So that's why we're staying on the they offensive have every side of the ball. Um, obviously, DJ Brown, yeah. you know, it's, it's about the caliber of players, not next man up. I, I don't know if Antonio Carter deserves to have a look, um, maybe because he can make those tackles. Um, but, you know, it, they are who they are. It, it's it's honestly not a surprise to me. Uh, you know, Maris had, you know, a great leap when we're playing against, yeah. you know, inferior opponents. But, you know, it seems like when the when – the, when the competition rises, it seems like we're not getting the same Maris or the amount of production that we think we should. So overall, the defense was putting a bad yeah. spot on line. I, I don't, I, I'm ready to move forward with, you know, kind of Freeman and, and that talk. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and talk about a little bit about uh, Freeman's press conference. Um, and then we'll, we'll go ahead to segment two. Um one thing that, that Freeman said in his press conference was that he's not concerned yep. about the play calling. All uh, right, what are your so immediate, immediate takeaways, and I saw Notre Dame fans, you know, flipping out about this on Twitter especially, and my my gut reaction is just like, what do you expect him to say? He's not going to throw Jared Parker underneath the bus. You know, he, he's got to be the one that stands in front of the podium, take the arrows, right? He He's not going to say, yeah, Jared Parker, he was a big disappointment last game, wasn't he? I mean, and then we'll, we'll we'll flip this side like, wow, he threw Jared Parker on the bus. What kind of head coach is he? So, he, you know, he's damned if you do, damned if you don't, you know. <laughs> so um, I I didn't take much out of it. I didn't exactly. flip out like, uh, you know, other people. I Freeman was put in a tough spot. You know, his, his offense has some serious questions to answer, but the only qu- way to answer those questions is on the field. It's not going to be at a podium. And I, I, I didn't take a huge, huge takeaway from Freeman. However – you know, play calling on his side. I did have a problem with the fourth and 11 call. Um, you know, when you're at a point in the Same. game where it almost felt like, you know, Brom did him a favor. He calls the timeout right before we were lining up for fourth and 11. It's almost like, Marcus, are you sure about this? Are you sure about what you want to do here? And, yes. and Marcus doubled down. Um, so, you know, I was, I was a little disappointed in that decision. And again, I'm not giving up. I am my, my, the flag for Marcus Freeman, I am planting at the top of my hill. Um, I, I'm a huge believer in him. And however, these are the things that, you know, you're going to have to face or 
you know, some bumps down the road that you'll face with an inexperienced coach. And hopefully he learns from this. But in my opinion, you know, it seemed like a panic move on his end. And hopefully he he had some self-reflection um, that it maybe not have been the best move because obviously the offense was struggling. I had I thought there was no chance when we went out there for fourth and 11. And again, you're putting your defense out to to bail you out to get a quick three and out. And luckily they did. But if you punt that ball, it's still a two possession game with a lot of clock left if you force a three and out. Yeah, man, I, I, that's spot on. The, the fourth and 11, I was really frustrated. And, and like you mentioned, when the timeout was called, I was like, yeah. he's going to send out the punt team. He's got to. I mean, th- there was nine plus minutes. We had all three of our timeouts. The defense was playing well enough to win. You, you punt it. You pin them deep. Yes. They're going to try to run the ball, run the clock out. Uh, so they'll go three and out, get the ball back, and start over. The fourth and 11, I mean, if, yes. if you go for that and you don't get it, the game's over. I mean, plain and simple. So I couldn't agree more on that. As far as his comments in the press conferences go, I'm like you. I, <laughs> you've got your biggest rival coming into town uh, in six days or five days, whatever it was when this press conference happened. Uh, what, you you think he's going to yeah. go out there and say, yeah, Jared Parker really <laughs> – sucked last night uh play calling was terrible we got to start all over there ain't no way i so i i take a lot of the press conference stuff with a grain of salt i know some fans really read into that stuff i i just think it's it's all you know saying the right things like you said freeman's gonna take the blame whether that's exact whether that's really what he's doing behind closed doors or not which i'm sure it's not um yeah it is what it is but yeah, so, yeah, press conference stuff, not Marcus overly worried to, about. Marcus has um, to learn from these experiences. Though. But I think uh, this is – there's no doubt. There's no doubt. He Because, again, we hired a first-time head coach, and those people that are like, oh, fire Freeman, this, that. Like, yeah, this is what we signed up for. Like – he, he he's not going to have he's not going to be out there coaching like Nick Saban on these game day decisions. There's going to yeah. be some growing pains. Yes, this hurts. But we th- Marcus this is, is doing, what we signed up for. Yeah, so and, but you know, we're going to live with again, it. Again, he's going to these are things that you can learn from, but you can't teach being being charismatic. I think Notre Dame fans have no been doubt. dying for a coach that they can wrap their arms around. Brian Kelly, you cannot do that. You know, and you know, what he's doing on the recruiting yeah. recruitment trail. I think he's been a huge supporter for Notre Dame, not just in football program, but all athletics, you know, showing up to the lacrosse game or the women's game or the hockey game, you know, flying out to, to see recruits. When you talk to recruits, you know, they're saying, oh, I have a great relationship with Marcus Freeman. This is all steps in the right direction. He's doing the right things. The coaching side of it, he'll learn from. We're, and again, I love what you said there. It's growing pains. You know, we are going yeah. to experience this. You know, it's good for Marcus to go through this um, and get better from. Um, but the things that you can't teach, you know, being charismatic, you know, being an aggressor uh, on the recruitment trail um, are things that you can't teach. You know, the things that are just kind of in his DNA, that will take Notre Dame to the top, in my opinion. And and to follow up on that, he's made it totally clear that yes. he understands Notre Dame. More so in in his, you know, he's in his second year as a head coach. 
he he understands Notre Dame more than eleven yes. year Brian Kelly ever did. So I, I think that's a great point. You know, I, I think you and I are both on the same page with Freeman. Uh, he he's going to do great things here. Overreacting. The fan base needs to stop yes. being so impatient and and overreacting. Like, yes, this loss sucks, but theoretically with our schedule and our talent level, the odds of us going to the playoffs and making a run, we're probably slim anyway. I mean, I know we have Hartman, whatever. Um, but again, it's a process. He's going to learn from it. Like you said, well we'll be just fine. Um, all right. Coming up on segment two, uh, we'll preview USC. And we also have a lot of questions to get to. So coming up next. Welcome back to the First and Gold Podcast segment two. Uh, we have some USC preview and predictions and also some questions from you guys. So Notre Dame will have their fourth in a row primetime night game <laughs> uh, against an, uh, uh, an undefeated uh, top 10 USC team coming to town. Um Notre Dame came out as minus two and a half favorites. I was, a, I think a lot of Notre Dame fans were Shocked. a little bit surprised by that. Yeah. Shocked. Yeah. But it's going to be an exciting weekend around campus. Uh, big noon will be there. So we've already had game day once and now big noon will be on campus and also lots of recruits. Uh, Joe, what, what do you think about the, it's rivalry week, baby. Rivalry week. Do you know what? Let's just get them going. All right. Flip the page. Bury the tape. Actually, don't bury the tape. We need to learn from a lot of those things. We, yeah, maybe don't yeah. bury the tape. Make sure, make sure we look at the tape. But turning the page, um, again, just another massive opportunity for Notre Dame to kind of right the ship, right? Um, you know, I know in spaces we talked about, man, this would be a great time to have a bye week and then go into USC like a lot of teams. Um, right. You know, Ohio State gets the the liberty to – you know, play us, have a high emotion game, and then, you know, off the following week must be nice. Um, still but, struggle with Maryland. Yeah, still struggle versus Maryland. But, hey, I guess this is something that Freeman can can spin to recruit saying, hey, when you come to Notre Dame, you know, whatever people say, we're, we're still the pinnacle of, of college football. People Preach. watch Notre Dame football. Um, you know, we are relevant. Look at the ratings. There's a reason why Fox, Big Noon, is putting their, mm-hmm. their kickoff team – at an NBC game, NBC game. Um, so not even a game that they're going to televise. They're, they're bringing their their main guys to to Notre Dame's campus, which I'm excited about. I hope that, you know, brings some energy and, uh, you know, some, some light onto this program that's been kind of mourning the last few days after the loss to Louisville. And I love yeah. Brady Quinn. Let's just get – I love when Brady Quinn comes hey. back to campus. So Our I'm all boy about Brady that. is <laughs> back under the dome, baby, right yes. where he belongs. So I know he's going to be pumping up, you know, having uh, the Notre Dame rally cry for, for Notre Dame to get up for this game. And I do think, um, you know, Mark, Marcus Freeman is going to see this as, you know, hey, the only guys that are going to – what I hope I should say that Marcus Freeman does is, hey – there's going to be a lot of people saying a lot of stuff, us two included, Nick, right? <laughs> that that right, are going to right. critique, you know, what's going on with, with this Notre Dame team. And really all that matters are the guys in that locker room. That's all that matters. And it's Preach. it's them versus everyone, right? And I hope they come out with that mindset saying, 
I know what you're saying about our offensive line. I know what you're saying about our offensive coordinator. I know what you're saying about, you know, our wide receiver room. I know what you're saying about our defense. I'm hearing all the criticism. Watch us go shock the world here on Saturday night. And it could be a great opportunity to Marcus right the ship uh, against an opponent that we very much dislike. Yes, sir, man. I, I want to say I've said this already before, but what a huge opportunity and, and, and huge matchup for the Marcus Freeman era. I mean, yep. you've got a, a team and a fan base that is in desperate need of, uh, of some good football on Saturday. And I have a good feeling, man. I, I think the Irish are going to come out. I think they're going to regroup. Um, and I think they're going to come out and play, play pissed off and play some sound football on Saturday night. And I'm, I'm looking so. forward to it, yep. man. They need it because you get this one, we get this win, you know, then we, we get one of the two big uh, wins on our schedule. Um, and then you go into the bye week and heal up and, and really start correcting some of these errors. So um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be exciting, man, but it's a big one. Bitcoin Marcus, this is I, I hate to use the term must win, but uh <laughs> it might be, Nick. It might it, be it might it might be, yeah. And it makes so, uh, it makes me feel a little bit better that Vegas is on our side, and Vegas always knows. I swear they got fortune tellers um they do. or or people that could see into the future there. So the fact that they came out and, and see Notre Dame as a favorite here, I Honestly, there's a part of me as as a you know basketball coach that I kind of like playing the underdog role. So it would have been great if Notre no Dame doubt. was was you know obviously you know plus two and a half um, on their home field. But again, they know what you know everyone's saying about them. You know whether it's frauds and you know Marcus Freeman's in over his head. I hope those guys in the locker room are taking taking that bulletin board material and and ready to take it against Caleb Williams, who paints his nails and. Um, you know, obviously had, had a lot to say after their win last year and, you know, can really take him out of, you know, I'm not going to say expose him or, you know, obviously Caleb Williams is a phenomenal player, but this right. is a guy that's favored for the Heisman Trophy and, and won the Heisman Trophy last year. What an opportunity for this defense to fly around and, and basically, you know, show that, that Notre Dame is, is still on top of USC in this rivalry. Yes, sir. And, um, I know we're going to have a lot of big recruits on campus and Oh yeah. We're go- we're going to get to that here in just a sec, but uh I know you put the weather on here and <laughs> buddy, I I know that we talked before we started recording that you know, usually when recruits are coming to town, we want it to be nice and and everything, <laughs> but there's a part of me, man, I hope it is just brutally cold, rainy, all that when those pretty boys from Southern Cal come to town, man, I, I, cause they, they will fold, they will fold. So anyway, uh, go ahead. Uh, let, let's talk about some of the, the big time recruits we got coming to town. Yes. So, you know, right now, Notre Dame, again, on a roll, um, you know, have their solidified quarterback in Deuce Knight in the 2025 class and also CJ Carr in the 2024 class. Both are going to be back on campus this week. And, in total, Notre Dame has 18 commits uh, that will be back on campus watching the Irish play, the Trojans, and 17 uncommitted guys from the 2025 class. So huge recruiting opportunity for, for Notre Dame to show those guys a good time. Um, some of the highlights from the 2024 class, we have 
KVA uh, flying in uh, from California, Logan Thomas, Bryce Young, Jack Larson, uh, Logan Saldate. You know, these are guys that are traveling quite a ways to, to get back on campus and obviously mingle with, with their, you know, upcoming classmates uh, next year. And I'm very excited about that. And we also kind of have the headliners for the 2025 class that hopefully show that they mesh well with the 2025 guys. Deuce Knight uh, back on campus, like I mentioned. Justin Thurman, the running back, is going to be on campus. C.J. May recently committed defensive end uh, 2025 class that, you know, have a lot of guys that they want to win over um, that are uncommitted currently. So I'll let you kind of go into that, Nick, on some guys that that you want to highlight that are going to be, um, you know, in the in the arms of the Irish on Saturday. Yeah, I, th- this 2025 class is just getting started, and we got a lot of big names coming to town uh, for for the 2025 class. Just to name a few that um, you know are. are are high priority guys. And I think hold Notre Dame in high regard. Um, Jerome Bettis Jr. will be back, um, of course, and and he he should be pulling the trigger anytime now. Um, But Dalen McCutcheon, uh, he's a wide receiver out of Texas. He's going to make the trip up to campus. Very talented wide receiver uh, from down there uh, in the Lone Star State. A lot of speed. Uh, he's one I, I want to make a good impression on. James Flanagan will be back. Uh, the legacy tight end. Owen Straybig's coming again. He's he's t- for me. He's top of the board as far as offensive line goes for uh, for the twenty five class. Uh, and then you got Austin Alexander, defensive end. Um, Noah McHale, a linebacker, twenty twenty five linebacker out of Cali. Uh, he's very talented. Um, Trey McNutt, uh, a safety. Um, let's see here. There's a couple others. Um, uh, uh, Brett Clatterball, he announced he's coming to the game. He's a talented linebacker. So uh, again, a lot of talent is going to be on campus and, Ooh. um, really, really hope the atmosphere is great. And, uh, even more so, I hope the product on the field is, is great. 100% Nick it's it's a good opportunity for again what I see is you know kind of having the leaders of the 2025 class be there um, show them what what we're building and what Marcus is building on the recruiting trail and um, you know again it's it's just a tremendous opportunity for for Notre Dame to write the ship um, and also uh, for us to keep keep providing this momentum uh, with back-to-back classes from or really back to back to back from 2023. We got our 2024 guys pretty much solidified. There may be some flips, um, you know, that that have been rumored. Um, but to kind of get the get it going with the 2025 class and hopefully show them a great time and it's going to be a great atmosphere at Notre Dame. Yeah, absolutely, man. I and Carter Nelson has been rumored. Um, he's one if he makes the trip, and again, that's an if right now. But if he makes the trip, I think he'll be uh, in the 2024 class when all is said and done. So, but that's if he makes it. So we'll see. So, uh, Joe, let's, uh, let's hop into our predictions, um, and, and mainly our, our game breakdown and, and keys to success. Um, what, what are some of your immediate, uh, things you want to see from the Irish against the Trojans? Well, obviously something that, you know, sticks out to me, um, is, is something that we, we experienced last year with Caleb Williams. And that was him having the ability to escape the pocket, um, and create off script plays for 
you know, not just regular plays, but explosive plays against against this offense or against our defense. Um, it's going to be a tall task to, you know, make him feel uncomfortable. And it starts obviously with the defensive line. Um, but also I think, you know, being able to spy him. And I think Marist really, you know, flourishes in this role um, where he has one assignment and that is to make sure that, you know, obviously Caleb Williams is, is not making plays with his feet and, and moving the change for them. And obviously they have a high power offense. So if we're able to get to him, and I know that sounds obvious, but I think Marist kind of has the, the tools um, or really that's kind of his forte uh, to, to kind of be in that role where he has that assignment. And, and I think that's going to be a big, uh, you know, play for, for Notre Dame to be obviously effective on, on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I think that, I think you, uh, you hit on a lot of good points there. I, I have a feeling that defensively we're going to come uh, at Caleb in this Trojan offense, who is extremely talented. Um, but, but I have a feeling that our game plan is going to be similar to that against NC state where we're not necessarily full out rushing the guy. We're more trying to stay in our lanes, not let him break contain or, or, or get through any holes uh, so he can get on the loose. I, I think you'll see a little bit of that uh, in this game. And uh, honestly, I, I know this may sound weird, but matchup wise, I feel like we match up pretty well against USC. They don't play, you know, and adding on their timing, you know, with all the, the physical uh, physical play we've had to have the last few weeks. USC doesn't play an overly physical brand of football. Uh, this game's more finesse, which I, I think w- we can hang with. We have the corners that can run with um, USC's wide receivers who are extremely talented. They're still going to make plays. There's no doubt. Um, but I think we have the secondary to, that, that can hang with those guys. Thomas Harper is expected to be back. Gabe Rubio is expected to yes. be back. So I, I think the defensive line will be able to get after him a little bit. I think, like you mentioned, Maris Leofau, uh, he thrives in uh, the, the spiral. So I, I think you'll see that as well. And then on offense, uh, you know, our offense, <laughs> they're going to, they're, what are you going to say? Gonna Nick? Be, what, what are we going to do? I know, offensively? I know, right? I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to gather my thoughts here. Uh, well, you sound like Jared Parker the, right now. Is, It'd probably be the same exact yeah, thing. Jeez. <laughs> my God. Yeah, seriously. Uh, no, but this has got to be a bounce back game for the offense. So a lot of pressure. And and I think you'll see some, some new wrinkles in the offense and this USC defense is pretty bad. So I, I think it's a bounce back game for the offensive line. Uh, I think, you know, hopefully Jaden Thomas and Jaden Greathouse are are getting a little more healthy and Sam Hartman can kind of, uh, make some plays, but I'm going to go into my prediction. I think, uh, I think Notre Dame wins this game 38-34. Ooh, high scoring affair. Yeah, I think I think you'll see um one or two defensive touchdowns in this game because the ball's gonna be aired oh, out wow. a lot. And I, I I look for Benny Clamps to to maybe take one yep. back to the house. Okay. So. Well I like it. Um I'm kind of going the opposite direction, Nick. So I you know, I see this weather and the weather according to Tuesday night here while we're recording has you know, showers early, uh, 55 degrees, um, rain showers possibly, um, you know, going into the night um, with some overcast skies, you know, low of 46, um, 
you know, so I do think that's going to play a factor. And if it is rainy, I think that only, you know, helps Notre Dame again on the recruitment side. I want it to be a beautiful sunny day and have those guys have a, have a wonderful (laughs) time on campus and, you know, show that South Bend isn't, you know, this doom and gloom, um, you know, area of space (laughs) that, um, not really there. The Irish, the Irish better have some tents set up for the recruits <laughs> over there with plenty of hot chocolate yes. and you know, maybe a yeah. buffet. Yeah, have know. them indoors. Have them anyway. indoors if you can. Um, yeah, take them up to the box. <laughs> yeah, have them a time. Have them have a good time where where they could be sheltered from the rain. But uh, I think this plays into factor. I, I really don't see. Um, it's hard for me to say if this is a high scoring affair. I think that doesn't bode well for the Irish offense, and this just goes with the inexperienced wide receivers. But you know, on the, on the contrary, you know, USC hasn't shown that they can stop anyone, right? Uh, you know, a three overtime thriller uh, with Arizona last week, whereas in the thirties, um, you know, you can go back to the Colorado game, et cetera. They're, they're allowing teams to score on them. Um, so I hope Jared Parker can, can, you know, obviously get a game plan to exploit that. However, um, I'm a big believer in our defense. I, I think Al Golden, let, this is still the guy that, that kept Duke, uh, to under 20, same guy that kept to Ohio State under 20. And I hope this carried over with the weather and all of that. So I'm actually going to go uh, 27-21 Notre Dame. I like it. So let's see. That'd be that's yeah. the under. So I'm far, definitely taking the under, which is at 62.5. I'm taking the under. At, just too big of a believer in this defense and I just don't think our offense can can support that if, if the overs being hit uh, I'm not going to feel well about the outcome for the Irish that's probably smart man I'm over here <laughs> I, I'm picking well over uh Irish win uh, an offense that that can't even uh, get out of its own way so yeah we'll see. but those <laughs> we'll are our see. predictions and we'll go and and start wrapping this up but uh, I think we're going to dive into a lot of these questions because we got some good ones. And again, appreciate all the love yep. um, and support and, and asking great questions uh, on our Twitter feed um, regarding things that you want us to answer. So I'll go ahead and start us off with a great supporter and Luke Elshoff. Shout out, Luke. Um, thank you for sending the, the question. He asked, this yes, isn't sir. only a must win, but a should win. If Notre Dame loses, can we still consider Notre Dame a top 10 team this year? And I'll take this one, Nick. Uh, Luke, unfortunately, I think, you know, Irish being a top 10 team, I'm going to pump the brakes on. Uh, I think, you know, obviously Louisville exposed some of, uh, you know, our our flaws, especially on the offensive side of the ball, um, where it's hard for me to put them in the top 10 uh, range. Uh, Could hopefully something change and the game plan and finding an identity change that? Or, you know, hopefully by the end of the year, um, you know, I'm – I'm eating my words, but um, I do think this is, you know, maybe a top 25 team, top 20 team, but I can't put them in top 20. But again, I think Nick hit on this. This this is, uh, I wouldn't say a should win, um, where I'm expecting going into the game that we're winning. I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, if, if we had a, a outcome with an L, unfortunately. But I, I do think this is a must win to right the ship, to, to keep the locker room together, to keep Marcus Freeman uh, having those guys buy in. And I do believe in Marcus Freeman. And I think we're going to see a big turnaround game for the Irish um, where they're going to even see that in the locker room as a must win to, to shock the world. Yeah, I think, uh, I think you made a lot of good points and Luke, 
appreciate the question, man. You're always, you're always very reliable on these. So we, uh, we love hearing from you and love your questions are always great. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I do think this is a must win. I, I agree with you, Joe. I don't know if it's a should win because this is a very talented team, very athletic team. Um, if, if Notre Dame loses, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. not great. I mean, if we, if we lose, we're, we're, we're out of the top 25 and, uh, we're struggling to keep things together, but um, if we get this win, which I think that we will, um, I, yeah, I think we can finish in the top ten by the end of the year. Uh, it'll be close, but I, I, I'd say we're probably more in like the top fifteen, top twenty area, um, it, just from from my observations. But uh, yeah, this is a this is a crucial game for Marcus Freeman. And, and for, like you mentioned, keeping the locker room together, keeping, keeping the belief high uh, in, in what Freeman is, is preaching, uh, and also keeping recruiting momentum going. So definitely an important game, and uh, we'll see what happens on yes, Saturday. Sir. Uh, next question is from Notre Dame Prime. Uh, Prime, appreciate the support as well. Um, he said, it. what will happen next week versus USC? I know we already touched on that, so I'll go to his next question. Uh, did Parker seal his fate already? Nick, I'll let you take this. No, I don't, I don't think he did. Um, again, it's not Jared Parker's fault that, uh, he doesn't have a ton of experience as a, as an offensive coordinator. And it's also not his fault that, you know, he's dealing with, uh, some holes in, in his lineup. Now, again, those are excuses. So, uh, that's the only time I'm going to bring them up. Uh, th this is a this is the game for me where he can seal his fate. He has to bounce back and he has to show uh, he has to show out basically uh, this Saturday and he has to show that he's capable of uh, righting his wrongs, improving, adding new wrinkles of creativity, uh, and also getting the right personnel on the field and and, and getting his guys playing hard and physical and. and keeping the defense off the field a little bit. So uh, I don't think he's sealed his fate. I, I, I think he's close, yes. <laughs> um, but th this weekend's big. Yeah, I completely agree, Nick. Um, he's definitely gave himself a trajectory that's, you know, not good for his future. I think that's fair to say. Um, given Marcus Freeman a lot to think about, um, whether this offense is heading in the right direction, um, you know, whether it's play calling scheme. Um, obviously, there's a lot of excuses that, that we can make, but – um, ultimately, um, you know, if, if this doesn't turn around there, there's gotta be some serious questions about Parker and his future in 2024. Um, so, no uh, Notre Dame prime then follows that up with how far are we away from where we want to be? Nick, man, I, I think we're close. I think we're close in a lot of spots. Um, you know, I quarterback recruitings on the up and up that's, that's always number one wide receiver recruiting and the talent, the young talent that we have, uh, it's looking up. I, I think we need a, a few more, uh, game changers uh, out wide. Our running back room's phenomenal. O-line, you know, we have the talent there and I, I trust that they'll get that fixed. So I'm not overly worried with that defensively secondary recruiting is pretty good. I'd like to see us get a, a, you know, a couple, couple more safeties that are, uh, elite, uh, linebacker recruiting I'm happy with and, and D line recruiting for the most part I'm happy with. So I, I think we're, 
a couple playmakers at wide receiver safety and uh, Viper away from really being special. Yep. Yep. And I, I totally agree with your sentiments, Nick on it. I we're going the right direction. If you look at the recruitment, I think our wide receiver room, don't judge it what it is now, but see what the talent, you know, we brought in already. I can't wait for Cam Williams to, to get on campus quarterback room, all this stuff that we, we want to see on the recruitment trail is happening and it's in a positive direction. So it's hard for me to judge, um, you know, where this program is right now and say, this is what, you know, we're at our ceiling. Uh, this is Marcus's only second year. So I, I always say just pump the brakes. Uh, but I believe in, in this, in this head coach, um, with the things that he's doing well, um, you know, off the field and, you know, we're going to have some growing pains with it on, but, um, this is this is the guy for the job, and I, I'm not moving off that mountain. Preach. So I'll go ahead and go to the next question. Uh, this is from Eric McCormick. Um, why are the Irish so set on a pro-style offense? Creativity is a must uh, as an offensive coordinator, but also play calling is essential. Knowing when to play, when to call a play is just as important as what you call. And who are we calling it for? No identity right now. Eric, I, I think you're spot on. I, um, you know, I, I do think Notre Dame is, you know, known for its pro style. I think that's what got Sam Hartman here. He wanted to improve his draft stock, and that's what Notre Dame's tradition lies is, you know, running the ball. Um, you know, it's not going to have that spread look that you may see from, you know, uh, an Oregon uh, or Texas Tech, yeah, or, or Tennessee. Tennessee. But maybe that changes, you know, if, if, if it doesn't write the shit with Jared Parker, I do think what, what the administration or Marcus Freeman needs to do is, you know, evaluate what's going to be best for the program. And if it's going to find an offensive coordinator, the, the most elite offensive coordinator down the road, I'm not saying, um, you know, Jared Parker's, you know, the guy or what we should do with him. I, I'm not, you know, calling for his job, but uh, these are things that, you know, Marcus Freeman needs to continually continually evaluate to make sure that their programs at the top, um, you know, competing against these, these other guys that, you know, are adapting to college football the way it is now. Yeah. I think, I think that's well said um, to follow up. Yeah. The pro style offense, it's just what, it's what Notre Dame, <laughs> the, the guys that Notre Dame can count on uh, to get every year in recruiting fits a pro style offense, you know, great offensive line running backs, tight ends and sprinkle in some play action, et cetera, et cetera. Um, as far as creativity, I agree with you. Uh, he, he has to be more creative as a play caller and, uh, and who he's calling it for. You mentioned identity and uh, Joe, I know you brought that up earlier and, and you're both spot on. Uh, there's no identity with this team and it's something that they need to find and they need. Yes, to find sir. Quick. Yes, sir. Agree. Um, moving off to the next question, Bobby bleachers appreciate the question. If you could do anything to fix the situation, what specifically would you do? He says, I'd hire Jim Trestle to be defensive coordinator, and I'd hire Utah offensive coordinator and let him pick his assistants uh, and try to get a new special teams coach from the Colts back. Uh, pay up Buttercup. And I'm sure when he's saying Buttercup, that means the administration. And I know this was a hot topic on, on spaces, yeah. um, and it kind of alluded to it um, in the previous question. Um you know, it's something Marcus Freeman and the administration have to evaluate with the new um, athletic director next year, Jack Swarbrick, obviously passing off the baton. 
um, you know, it's something that they need to see is, you know, there are some pullback when, when you aren't willing to pony up or get outbid from other college football programs for guys that Marcus Freeman wants. Obviously, Andy Ludwig at Utah is someone that Marcus Freeman publicly basically came out and said that this was his guy. And, you know, it was rumored and, you know, obviously leaked that, you know, Notre Dame wasn't willing to pay the buyout. And are those the decisions that, you know, lead to um, national title contention? In my opinion, it doesn't. Um, you know, you kind of box your head coach in with, um, you know, a budget. You box your your head coach in with, you know, decisions such as, you know, what the offense does because obviously Marcus Freeman is a defensive-minded coach. Um, so, I, I for me, I wish – I'm not going to say – you know, all of a sudden tomorrow I have, you know, or Marcus Freeman is going to have answers to the situation we're in now. These are all down the line. Um, the best thing they can do right now is is coach it up and not just coach up the players, but, you know, coach up um, and really look at the mirror, um, whether that's Jared Parker looking at the mirror, um, you know, from Joe Rudolph looking at the mirror, Marcus Freeman looking at the mirror, um, and really doing their best job to coach these guys up to be, you know, at our full potential with the roster we have now. Yeah, very well said. I, as far as uh, <clears throat> fixing the situation, uh, I'm like you right now. As far as this season goes, it's all about, you know, keeping your guys bought in and self scouting and cleaning up the mistakes. But as far as fixing the situation for the future. If I was head coach, which thank God I'm <laughs> Tough not. Tough seat to um, be in. <laughs> but uh, if I was head, right? If I was head coach, my first order of business would be going to the new athletic director and Jack, and I'd say we have to get the undergrad transfer policy figured out and figured out now, because Notre Dame is playing with one hand tied behind their back by only yep. being able to fill holes in their roster with grad students, and maybe sometime freshmen. Uh, every other program in the school, even high academic schools, are finding ways to get undergrad transfers into their program. It's a part of the game now. Whether mm -hmm. we like it or not, it has to be fixed. And, you know, when you run into situations like our wide receiver Preach. room, you have to have plenty of options in the transfer portal to fill those holes. So, personally – that's my first, that's my number one. And then number two, yes, we have to start paying up. I, I, Notre Dame, I know they view themselves, and rightfully so, as elite and guys will want to come here. But again, this is 2023. I'm ready to see Notre Dame uh, take the leap of, of leading college football. I want us to be the ones paying. Yep top dollar for guys. I, I want us going all in to win a national championship. I, I always think back about Newt Rockney, which I'm a big Notre Dame football history guy. Newt Rockney was always the innovator. He was the one that was leading college football in a lot of these things. And Notre Dame has slowly gotten to a point where we're yes. always playing catch Preach. Up. Preach. And that's an issue. Yeah. So – I, I think, yes, we need to pay our assistance more. We need to we need to have the top facilities. We have the money, period. End of discussion. The amount of money that Notre Dame brings in for the university and, and what Notre Dame football does for the university, there's no excuse for facilities, 
there's no excuse for NIL. And, uh, and most, most of all, the transfer portal thing, that's, that's my biggest. No, no, Sorry, I think you're spot on. <laughs> um, you know, there's a lot of truth in that actually a ton of truth because, you know, I, I think, yeah, you know, I'm in total agreement with you, Nick, that is something that, that needs to be looked at with, um, you know, basically at all levels at Notre Dame is something that we need to change because it's easy for Duke or an Alabama or Georgia or Tennessee, you name the school that if they do miss on a guy, uh, if they do miss on the development, Hey, we, we misevaluated our linebackers here. They can fix the problem in one off season by going to get, you know, the top guy in the portal. Um, Notre Dame doesn't have that luxury. You, you kind of have one shot and those are your guys unless you want to go to the grad transfer, which are a little bit more limited. Yep. Then, then, then um, obviously yeah. opening yourself up to the sophomores, the juniors and the seniors um, that are looking for a new home. So I think that's really well said, Nick. And that, that actually goes into the next question, Thanks, um, you know, basically on, on Notre Dame's pocketbook. And we don't have to spend on this long because I know we just uh, talked about this, but ND Irish fan 23, I appreciate you asking this. Um, will ND finally pay up and bring two qualified coordinators this offseason? Um, I know we just kind of hit on this, Nick. Um, I don't want to call for guys' heads, um, you know, middle of the season. Um, but it's something that uh, Marcus Freeman just, again, needs to evaluate is, is this the project or uh, trajectory that you want um, your offense? And if there's hindrances with, you know, the coaching staff, uh, you know, it can't just be, hey, you're a friend. I'm going to give you another year. Um, it's got to be fixed right away. Yeah, I think that's really well said. Um, and I agree with you. Yeah, you, you know, I, I'm not going to call for people's heads either. You know, if Al Golden leaves this year for the pros, which there's lots of rumors out there that he could. Um, yeah, I, I would I would hope that we're going out and finding the best defensive coordinator to replace him. As far as Jared Parker goes, a lot of talk online that, you know, well, fire him during the bye week. That's never going to happen. It's not realistic. It Unless this completely falls off the rails, it's not going to happen. So basically, Jared Parker is going to be uh, coaching for his job from here on out. And then at the end of the season, Freeman can uh, assess and, and go from there. Um, but yeah, I, I think paying, paying the guys uh, is crucial. Yep. So, and yeah, again, this is kind one. of, um, you know, redundant questions. Um, this is from Abel at Diaco 72. Again, appreciate the question. Uh, will Parker be out as offensive corner after one season? Um, if things don't approve Abel, uh, you know, obviously he, he's on a significant hot seat. Um, that that Marcus needs to to look at as again something something to evaluate uh, and see see how we progress. Um, AB seven o one seven. How much power does the new AD actually have? I mean, in regards to academic standards, pay for coaches. Nick, uh, this one's it's tough to answer as far as academic standards. I don't think the new AD actually has a ton of power there. Uh, that's that's all the you know, the president, uh, the separate colleges at the university. So academic standards, that's a different story. He can fight for, uh, you know, his athletic coaches and his athletic teams, which I hope he does. Um, as far as pay for coaches, I do think he has a little more say in that. Now, again, I, I think it's a committee effort from the top of Notre Dame for all these types of things, but uh, you want your your leader of athletics, your your athletic director to be, fighting for the things that 
that you need. So I'm hopeful that Freeman's having these conversations like, Hey, uh, you know, we got to get, we got to be able to get transfers in. We have to be able to compete with the pay scale of Bama and Ohio state. So I'm hopeful this Pete Bavak was a very bright guy. Um, I'm hopeful that, uh, that he'll be one of the biggest advocates. Well said, Nick. And I am in total agreement. I, I think you, you hit it right on the head because one thing that you need for your, because obviously this is an AD that didn't choose Marcus Freeman, right? Um, you know, th- that was Jack Swarbrick's decision. So the number one thing that, you know, can be hoped for from Irish fans is that, you know, this new athletic director is arm in arm with Marcus Freeman and they have the same vision moving forward to get this Notre Dame program over the top. They got to yes. have the same vision, be arm in arm and be willing to battle for things that, they believe will will help this Notre Dame football program compete against against the top. So um, total agreement there, Nick. I think that was well said. And I'll take this into our last question. Again, I appreciate all the questions, guys. This has been tremendous. Um, Sean, at Scout3115, why is the tight ends coach now our offensive coordinator? Didn't like the move when it happened. I really don't like it after the last three games. I think that's a fair, fair point, Sean. Um, He's playing to keep games close and yeah. not win. Um, so obviously I alluded to this as kind of what happened. You know, it, it was a, a black eye to the program. You know, when Marcus Freeman flies Andy Ludwig in, they, they're publicly seen at the hockey game. And, um, you know, obviously it's almost like they were trouting um, or parading him around as, as the new OC. And, you know, when it didn't work out, you know, basically what happened or what was leaked that, you know, Notre Dame wasn't willing to, to pay the buyout. So again, that, that, that boxes Marcus Freeman in, and I'm sure the administration now I am assuming, um, you know, we're, we're more set on, you know, going the, the save the budget route um, by promoting within uh, with a tight ends coach. And if you remember the time frame, it wasn't, you know, when Tommy Reese left it, it's not, you know, there's a lot of offensive creators that already had homes. Um, it wasn't, you know, right after the season. Um, it was in kind of a, a yeah. weird spot for Marcus Freeman to act quickly to find an offensive coordinator. So Good point. Um, a lot of the guys that probably would have been top targets already found homes. And it was a little bit of a shock when Tommy went down to, um, you know, Alabama. So again, Marcus was put in a, a tough situation to act quickly to find an offensive coordinator. He thought he had one, but again, it didn't work out. So um, that's kind of the spark note version of what happened. I'm sure there's more intel within uh, the Notre Dame walls of, of more detail on that. But overall, it just was not a good look for, for Notre Dame. And I think, you know, some of it, you know, they're, they're paying for it now. And uh, going off the transfer portal thing, and, you know, you swan and miss at Caleb Smith, who was a grad transfer you know, getting a guy like like him that was, you know, been able to, you know, be on the field for the Notre Dame would have would have done massive uh, amounts for the offense because now obviously injuries have played, but you know, you swan and miss on the one guy that you got in the off the portal um, or in the portal system in Caleb Smith, and it just it didn't work out. So, um, you know, I I just wanted to say that comment because it came to my head, but. We're going back to the offensive coordinator. It, it was bad timing for for Reese to leave. Um, Notre Dame went the with the cheaper route, and you know we, we're kind of stuck in, in the situation now where we have an inexperienced guy leading the offense for for Notre Dame. Uh, yeah, extremely well said. I, I I don't have a whole lot to add on to that. You know, it it was a bad situation all around. Uh, bad look for the university. 
uh, bad situation for Marcus Freeman, who's trying to make one of the biggest hires, um, you know, in his tenure here. Um, so just bad all around. And uh, like you said, Joe, it, we're, we're kind of seeing the effects of that right now. Um, I'll, I'll be very interested to see uh, how the offense looks going forward. Cause that's what, that's what's on my mind. Uh, you know, him being fired is not, realistic to me like during the season um but you know crazier things have happened so i really want to see him uh i, I want to see a different offense i i want to see and, and sean i thought you brought a good brought up a good point uh he's playing to keep games close and not win i think that's a great point and i, I want to see more attacking I, instead of reacting to the defense i i think that's a, an important factor in college football today. So again, um, you know, he, he's who we got going forward. Um, and, and all we can do is hope that he gets those kinks figured out and, and, uh, we figure this thing out. And yes. We need we get a win. We need so, one. Come we on. get lots one of time. Wins. So yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, but that was our last I think question. That was our last again, question, appreciate right, yeah. uh, the support. Yeah. Um, you know, we love hearing your guys' questions and you're, you're bringing up a lot of good topics for, for Nick and I to discuss. So keep them coming throughout the year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, guys. Thank you so much. Uh, keep those coming. Make sure you guys rate, review, and subscribe. And, uh, you know, uh, hopefully we'll be talking to you on Twitter spaces after a big win this Saturday. Uh, and if not there, then we'll be right back here next week. So thanks for listening guys. Uh, we'll talk to you after hopefully a big win against uh, <laughs> Go Irish. From SC. Go Irish. Please rate review our podcast. We are available on Apple podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon music, and Google podcasts. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at first Eagle pod at Nick Kramer, it and at Joe underscore Kramer underscore it. Don't forget to check out the Irish Tribune.com and follow us on all of our socials at the Irish Tribune. Thanks for listening. And of course, go 